So, hey guys, welcome back to Return of Ritual Season 2. I am your host, Amber Winston, and today I have a man on the show. <laughs> I have a really awesome friend um, and, and somebody that my husband and I just really love spending time with. We have Aaron Overstreet here to join us on the podcast. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you, Amber. It's great to see you. So great to see you. Uh, Aaron actually met my husband first, and then, then I was able to meet to meet Aaron after he had met Luke. And um, I think you guys met at uh, the training, right? The yeah. training together. Yeah. And ever since I, you know, met Aaron and he's come and stayed with us a couple of times, I call him like the quintessential house guest. He's always welcome in our home. I love when you come down. He just has this beautiful energy and presence about him and is just so observant and caring and nurturing. And it's such a treat to have him on the show today. And I just can't wait to dive into what we're going to uncover. Um, but for those of you who don't know Aaron um, as intimately and closely as Luke and I do, I'm going to take a little moment to just read his bio so you guys get to know a little bit about what he's about. So Aaron has been assisting people in self-empowerment and spiritual healing for over two decades. He believes that we can attain ownership and mastery over our lives and experiences while working in conjunction with our higher selves. Respire Breathwork is based on the teachings of Leonard Orr. It encompasses Aaron's deep understanding of the breath and his work as a healer and spiritual guide. His ongoing dedication to discovering the healing powers of the breath have led to this gentle yet powerful style of breath work. Aaron studied directly with Leonard and has led trainings and workshops in Portland, Virginia, and India. He has also co-facilitated the annual breathwork training, Return to the Sacred, in Sierraville, California, since 2003. And that's where Luke went to Sierraville. Aaron is certified by Rebirthing Breathwork International. Aaron finds this work to be most effective through private one-on-one -on -one sessions. He also enjoys facilitating group pranayama, deep dive sessions at yoga studios, wellness centers, and individuals' homes. Aaron assists clients to identify and release limiting beliefs through the use of positive affirmations. He also specializes in spiritual purification practices through the sacred use of earth, air, water, and fire. Woo! Ooh. That's me. It's <laughs> a great, great bio. Uh, <laughs> so the first question that I have for you, Aaron, is what is your astrology sign? Aries. And do you relate to that sign? Uh, I do, but most people, when they find out I'm Aries, are surprised because I am very gentle and more yin. Um, but I have it in me. <laughs> It's there. Yeah. Yes, I too am a, an Aries. I'm the Aries Pisces cusp. So I think we have some of those, those similarities in common. Uh, and then the next question is kind of a fun one. What did you eat for breakfast? Uh, toast with avocado and uh, sunny side up eggs. <laughs> and you guys, the reason I ask is we just visited Aaron in, in Portland and he made an amazing breakfast and, and I just love sourdough toast and like he cooked up this amazing thing with the hot sauce and and so I was just curious and it sounds like you had something similar for breakfast to today for breakfast today too yeah that's so awesome 
Um, okay, so for those of you who have listened to season one and are tuning in for season two, or if you're new, you know, the whole premise behind Return of Ritual is this observation that I have had about society, right? Back in the day, millennia, years ago, our ancient societies and civilizations really had ritual and ceremony at the heart of the community. And when I look around at our society today, I just really see that that has been lost. And so it's partly my mission to help bring ritual and ceremony back into the forefront, back into people's lives, so that really they can connect more deeply to themselves and the sacred within themselves. And also to really help them kind of remember like who they are, why they're here, and connect them more to their soul mission on this planet. And so when I think about rituals and ceremonies, um, I, I have to come to the breath, right? That breath is the life force energy. And so that's really why I'm so excited to chat with you today and, and really understand and discover how breath work can become the ultimate ritual or ceremony. So the first, you know, kind of breathwork question that I have for you, Erin, is giving us a glimpse into kind of your life, your day-to-day. -day. And so I would love to know, you know, on an ideal day for Erin, whether that's in the morning or in the evening, what are some of those rituals that you're practicing? Yeah, great. That's a great question. Um, I, was, I was reflecting on that this morning, you know, knowing that this show is coming up. I've been looking at where it is ritual and ceremony and show up in my life. And you know, I think often about uh, uh, the daily practice. We all have these daily practices. And some of those daily practices are have a cup of coffee and go to work. You know, um, And when we're not mindful of these daily practices, it, is a, it seems to me like that's ritual, but it's not an empowering ritual that we're choosing. Um, and this morning I was in the bath and thinking about that, thinking about ritual and realizing that, so today is Saturday. Every Saturday, my partner Bhagavati and I have a free hour of yoga and breath work on Zoom. And everyone watching this is welcome to go to my website and participate. It's every Saturday at 10 a.m. And the breath work that I do isn't rebirthing breath work, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, it's just, you know, a fun thing to do and there's sometimes a theme, but I never know what I'm gonna do in that Saturday class until my Saturday bath. <laughs> and I realize I have a ritual every Saturday of this morning bath. I tune into my breath and I um, come up with an outline for this class. So I was seeing that, that, that the breath, every Saturday there's this ritual that's very specific around what am I gonna teach today? But looking at, um, so that's something that happened today that, that, you know, this awareness that you're bringing helped me see or helped me kind of identify as a ritual. Mm -hmm. And then, so every morning on a normal day, uh, I love to take a bath in the morning. It's, uh, you know, when working with the teachings of Leonard Orr, it's about using all the elements, not just air, not just breathing, but it's water, fire, earth, um, the mind, so every morning I like to take a bath and in that bath, it's kind of my check-in, you know, and I use the breath. Can I breathe deep? If there's something holding my breath from breathing deep, then I know it's like, okay, well, maybe there's something I'm not 
letting myself feel or my life urge isn't strong today. If it's really hard to take a deep breath, I know that like uh, there might be a feeling of like um, tiredness or I, I don't want to do it kind of feeling. And so I can use the breath to clear that out. But I use the breath as a check-in every morning as I use the water to, to purify and cleanse my energy body. Um, so I kind of, you know, I start the day with this ritual of bathing and using the breath as a, a check-in. And then, and then if there is something I need to address, I can use the breath or other tools to address it. Um, and then, you know, I think about like caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. I like to have caffeine in the morning, whether, you know, it's, usually, whether it's tea or coffee, it's still, it's a, it's a ritual. Um, and in a way it's, it's a dependency because <laughs> if I don't have it, then I end up tired and sluggish and mm -hmm. um, I'm, yeah. So it's contemplating. I mean, it's like, I'd like to hear more of your thoughts about this, about like the, the fine lines between like ritual and daily practice and mm -hmm. um, habits um, and ceremony, you know, what's yeah. the difference between ritual and ceremony, but what's your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think we, so what you said so beautifully, and I think this is kind of the, the important link is when you're in the bathtub in the morning, ritually connecting to your breath, you're also using that as a mechanism to connect to higher source, right? So in your Saturday morning bath, you have consciously ritualized that you know that you're going into the bath, you're connecting, and then you're tapping into source or the domain of your soul or the language of your soul that wants to come through in some way. And so that ritual has become the mechanism to connect to higher power or source. Um, and so I think that that is a big part of ritual and ceremony is what are those mechanisms, those things that you're creating and establishing in your life that are ultimately conscious, you're having awareness, and then you're either tapping into something greater or your higher power. Often other people describe ritual and ceremony for them, giving them a taste or a connection to their life force energy, right? That I'm alive and this feels good to be alive, like taking a run through the forest, you know, and, and if you do that with that conscious attention, then that can be invigorating for somebody and that could be their ritual, right? And so that's what I just love hearing from so many different people on the Return of Ritual podcast is, you know, what are those rituals for you? And they can be so different across the board. Um, and now when, when you think about caffeine, uh, certainly tea ceremony, uh, a coffee ritual, that can be very ceremonial. That can be very conscious. It can be very um, insightful for many, right? So if you're sitting there and you're breathing in the aromas of the coffee or the tea and you're connecting to source or you're doing whatever that is, in a very beautiful way that that feels alive for you, then that's a beautiful ritual and ceremony. I think where we get away from that is a Keurig machine and people just unconsciously putting the Keurig in, getting their black coffee, hopping in the car and commuting to work, right? Like there's a very different energy and feel behind the two of those. Um, and so, the, you know, that's something that I've just been practicing and exploring in my own life. Like what are those things that I'm doing consciously versus unconsciously? 
Um, is this a habit or a crutch? And I'm pretending that it's a ritual, but really I'm like a caffeine junkie, you know, like having awareness of that. And never is it, um, is it to make yourself feel worse or bad about yourself, right? Again, it's just, yeah. it's just having awareness. Awareness, so yeah. What, yeah, what, does, what else, what do you think? Keep going, tell me more. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. It's, a, it's about the intention, like you're saying, the intention and the mindfulness. And that we can go through our life unconscious, just acting out of habits and patterns, or we can bring mindfulness in. And, and I love that, what you said, that it's the connecting to the higher self, connecting to source. So anything can be a ceremony or ritual mm-hmm. when we have the intention. Yeah. Um, just thinking about like, you know, as a kid, where was the ritual? And then, you know, my grandmother, when I would stay with her, dinner was at six o'clock every day. You were there on time <laughs> and it was a ritual because then there was this, this act of like praising her and praising the food. And then my grandpa would tell stories and it was always the same kind of ritual, but it, it brought the family together and it created uh, this unity and bonding with the family. Yeah. Um, you and know, that- and it, we wouldn't call it a ritual, but in a way it was. Mm-hmm. Well, and just look at how separate we've become from that, right? How people are ordering DoorDash or, you know, eating in front of the television and how that just sacred ceremony of setting the table and having everybody come and gather as a family and saying a blessing or a prayer and eating mindfully and sharing stories and creating your own sense of community and connection and belonging and how how that's lost, I would say, for most households um, in America today, you know, that I would say is more of the minority and people are now more just unconsciously eating and not really creating that as a beautiful ritual and ceremony. Sure. And that, that unconsciousness gets infused into the food and we're feeding ourselves with, you know, we're nurturing ourselves with unconsciousness. But when we bring that consciousness into the food, and that's one thing we, we do here with um, my partner and I do is every time we eat, you know, we, we do a prayer and it, it brings mindfulness in. And I have a, a ritual of, you know, I look at the food, I appreciate it. And I look at like the different colors and like, what's this food going to become in my body? And then also giving thanks to like, you know, the people that stock the shelves, the, the check checker that, that helped me purchase this, the people that stock the shelves, all the way back to the people that grew the food, the people that, you know, have the seeds and like, just appreciating the whole uh, lineage of this food, you know? And yeah, it's, we, can, we can eat mindlessly and it, it feeds that or we can eat mindfully. And, and you know, when you think about parasites with food, like if you're eating unhealthy food, you, you're likely to have an imbalance of parasites. And, you know, is, are there like, unconscious parasites, energetic parasites, that if we're eating it uh, unconsciously or we're consuming uh, social media, like what are we consuming with our mind unconsciously? And, you know, how is that feeding us? And mm-hmm. yeah. That's a big one. Uh, and I bet many, many people who are listening to this, and I'm just going to be very transparent and let you all know that, you know, yesterday I picked up 
um, some Vietnamese food, some beautiful noodles for one of my neighbors who has given me a, a fantastic gift. And so I just wanted to repay him and he loves this banh mi shop. And so I drove all the way out to this specific restaurant that he loves and I got him what he wanted. And while I was there, I picked up some noodles for myself and drove them home and I dropped him off at his house and I, you know, gave him deep thanks for what he had, had given me. And then um, came home and I proceeded to eat my own noodles and I was alone, right? Because Luke was working at the time. And I remember just, open, you know, it was takeout. So I just opened the takeout and I sat down and I just started kind of eating. And then very unconsciously, my phone became like my dinner partner, right? So instead of having conscious conversation with somebody and honoring this food, I was then kind of scrolling or reading articles and eating at the same time. And I share that in true transparency because I bet most people listening to this have done that, <laughs> right? And we're guilty of it. And having just that simple awareness of what Aaron is saying to us so beautifully that when you're unconsciously eating, that energy is kind of transpiring through the food and then into your body and what you're ingesting intellectually with what you're looking at on the phone or emotionally, like that's all part of that process of alchemizing this food that is ultimately meant to be nourishing you. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I notice when I when I have that experience where I just eat without being mindful about it, afterwards I almost feel like I didn't, I, like I missed the meal. It's like there's just, you know, like I I don't remember eating it. Yeah, <laughs> that happens to me. It's like oh, I didn't really. I'm still hungry, but I ate like all these noodles. Uh, I love that we're talking about food as a ritual because we've certainly shared some amazing meals together. And again, you know. I go back to this beautiful breakfast that Aaron prepared. It was simple. It was sourdough bread and this egg and beyond beef sausage or something, beyond meat sausage and hot sauce. So it was very simple, but you could taste that when Aaron was preparing the meal, he was consciously preparing it, knowing that we were going to sit down in a, a community family-like environment and share conversation and enjoy a meal together. And I think you can taste that in food when somebody has consciously poured love and blessings and appreciation for the people that packaged the food, that created the food all the way up that channel that he's just described. Um, what a fantastic awareness that we can have when we ingest anything into our bodies. And the, the ritual of having you guys as a house guest, as you know, it's when we spend time together, it becomes a ritual because it's a very special time. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I love you and Luke and mm. I was excited you guys were coming. So, I, you know, it's like I put energy into what am I going to cook for breakfast? And it became a ritual just knowing that I got to spend time with you guys. And, right. you know, it's not just a normal visit with somebody. Right. Um, and that's I think that that's just such a beautiful observation. And, you know, the last six months, us all being very separate because of the state of the world and the lockdown and whatnot and, and how people have somewhat generated phobias now of one another and really the importance of connection and human interaction and being together in the tribe and knowing that, you know, what is that phrase? Not safety in numbers, but like, I'm thinking more like power in numbers, right? Like the more you can kind of come together and be really heard and seen and supported by your community, like this is so important and a ritual, 
right? Of community connection. Um, yeah, I think for a lot of people, one of the new rituals is going for walks. You know, a lot of people to just to get out of the house mm -hmm. and to also be in their community. Mm -hmm. um, you might just think I'm going for a walk every day, but it's becoming a ritual. Absolutely. My morning walk is part of my morning routine. It is most certainly a ritual for me and Rupert. We are out, we are connecting to the elements. I'm greeting the sun. I'm feeling the, the breeze on my cheeks. I'm looking around and, and feeling my connection to the earth. Um, and, and really it's just a conscious practice now. And so that's what I think is so beautiful about ritual is that it can be so diverse for so many different people. And, and again, it comes back to that awareness and attention. Uh, I would like to dive into a little bit more about the breath work and, and your experience with that. Um, so the first question around that would be really just sharing with us, how did you discover breath work initially? Um, yeah, I grew up in this family. On my dad's side of the family, uh, they were very uh, new age spiritual. Uh, my dad is a psychic and a healer. My grandpa was a healer a Bible scholar, he used hands-on healing. My great-grandpa was just kind of, could do these magical feats and, and he was more of like kind of a strong man. And, um, but he, he had these kind of almost spiritual powers. And then um, by, in my grandpa's lifetime, they started having people come to their house out of the blue. People just gravitate to their house for healing. Mm. Um, they didn't really know why, but their house kind of became a healing center. And they would have regular groups. And um, when my dad was a kid, he would sit on my great grandfather's lap. My grand great grandfather would have like community meetings. And my dad would sit on my great grandfather's lap and whisper in his ear what everybody was feeling. So my great grandfather could be like, hey, Joe, why are you angry? And people would then see him as this man, this powerful man and revere him. and. You know, there's definitely some ego stuff in there, but um, so I grew up in this family where, uh, you know, there's these extrasensory abilities and healing powers. And my mom is an artist. My my parents split when I was around seven or eight, and you know, and then on my mom's side, she's an artist, very creative. So I had that also. And um, but when I was 20, 21. I was living with my grandparents down in Modesto, California. And my dad said, hey, you wanna try this thing I know how to do. It's called rebirthing. And I was sure, you know, my dad was always teaching me amazing things about meditation and, and energy work. And so my dad gave me my first rebirthing breathwork session. Wow. And the first thing I said afterwards, you know, it's, it's as you know, it's like an hour and a half process. And I opened my eyes afterwards and I said, this is better than drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because I had a client do that exact same thing just a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and at the time I was using LSD and mushrooms and I was exploring altered states of consciousness and meditation. And I just realized, um, you know, I can do this naturally. This is what I want to do. And I, I told my dad how enthusiastic I was about this work. And he said, well, there's a training center not far from here. And that was Sierraville Hot Springs. Leonard Orr, the founder of this work at the time owned Sierraville Hot Springs. 
and it was a full-time rebirthing training center. So I drove up there, um, you know, it's at the time they had welcome home painted in big letters on the roof and the, the people there were just so welcoming and loving. And, and the first thing I did was partake in a ritual. They, they were doing at noon, they did a, a fire ceremony. They had this fire pit with a Shiva Lingam and, and did this whole ceremony every day at noon. And I participated in that, I met the people. And then a few days later, I was living there. I just knew this is what I wanna do. Um, you know, I dealt with a lot of emotional trauma as most people, um, mm -hmm. a divorce, abandonment issues, uh, being poor. And I had a lot of depression and just, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, obsessive negative thoughts and just, a lot of emotional issues. Like my emotions were running me, you know, basically. And I saw that through this breath work, I could heal my emotional body. You know, it, after that first session, I just felt, I felt like me. I felt like I'd cleared stuff out. Mm. And, and I just knew this is, this is what I want to do. And so I, I dove in and I was there for somewhere between four and six months. And then I wow. moved to Portland. Mm -hmm. And, and then started my, you know, it, it took years, I was 21 and I was really young. So I, it took me a while to really um, have a good solid practice. It took me many years and I, I would deviate from, you know, I would, I'm also a musician. So I would have this spiritual life and then there'd be a few years when I was partying and playing in rock and roll bands, <laughs> but I would always come back to the breath, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and basically it saved my life. You know, I don't, I, I've had moments of being suicidal and mm. just dealing with a lot of the stuff that most of us deal with through life. And the breath mm -hmm. has continued to, to bring me back to just feeling peaceful, grounded, happy. I feel good. Mm. Um, and now at this point in my life with the breath, um, it's just a solid tool that I have that if I get triggered by something, if I get, um, you know, this like emotionally stimulated from some, you know, whether it's a fight or flight in my nervous system or it's an emotional issue from childhood, I can easily and gracefully process it. Um, and then, so, yeah, so what I do now as a practitioner is I see people for one-on-one -on -one sessions, um, doing a lot of Zoom, which works really well for this work. The sessions, it's usually 20 or 30 minutes of talking and checking in and describing the breath work. And then the actual breathing process is about an hour and a half. And you know, this is for your listeners. I know you, you've, you've done it, you know all about it. Um, it puts you into a theta state pretty quickly. The breath starts flooding your, your system with energy, prana, chi, whatever you wanna call it. This, this, this frequency, this vibration, it starts flooding your system with that while simultaneously relaxing you into this theta, deep relaxed theta state. And, and it starts just to clear out um, stuff you don't need anymore. Clear, whether it's deep, deep pain from a childhood trauma or just stored tension, the breath cleans you out. It's uh, the rebirthing breathwork technique is the body's natural self-cleaning mechanism. That's how it was developed was Leonard Orr was watching people's bodies process trauma. 
and their bodies started doing this connected breathing, circular breathing. And he realized that this was just a natural built-in mechanism in the body. You know, if we, if we cut our skin, our skin heals. And so it makes sense that there's also an emotional energetic healing mechanism. So when I see people one-on-one, -on -one, I, I teach them how to do this and I hold space for them to go through this process, which sometimes is very emotional. Sometimes it's very physical. Sometimes it's just deeply relaxing. We never know where it's gonna go, mm -hmm. but there is a, a natural cycle to it. It's usually about an hour and a half. It can be shorter or longer. Um, and then you just, you go through this process, you go through this, this journey, and then you get to a place where you feel complete, you feel cleared out, you feel done. Mm. And then I work with people also as, what's really important is as people are cleaning out this old emotional energetic stuff that they work with the mind. So I also will work with people with um, giving them homework with affirmations or like on my website, I've got a video of a writing process that helps reprogram the nervous system. Um, it's important to work with the thoughts and the stories and the mind because, you know, we can also, like thinking can be a ritual. You know, sometimes we'll notice we have the same patterns of thoughts. And if we're not aware and conscious of it, it will rule us. Mm -hmm. But if we learn to work with our mind and consciously choose high quality thoughts, that ritual will, you know, bring that high quality energy into our life. Um, and so one thing I look invite everyone to do is really look at the vocabulary of your thoughts and, and to, I've done this where I'll, I'll take a piece of paper and write down all these beautiful words that I want to have my mind thinking, <laughs> you know, and then just to kind of plant those seeds in my mind, because we get into habits mentally, which are, as we talked about, can be kind of unconscious rituals. Mm -hmm. And the mind is creative. The mind creates our reality. Our perception creates our experience. And so bringing that, uh, you know, making that a conscious ritual to spend time each day writing positive affirmations or to write how you want your day to look, write your story. Mm. It's very powerful. And it connects. And, and when you're doing that, you're connected with truth and source. So. I kind of went off there. <laughs> That's what we're supposed to do. I love when you, when you go down, yeah. those, uh, just let oh, it happen. So with the breath work, let me just add that, yeah, I do one-on-one -on -one sessions. Um, I do Zoom sessions. Um, it's hard to see people in person right now, unless it's outside. Right. Um, I've been doing, um, I, I do groups. This, is, this work can be done in a group. Some people prefer individual sessions because it is very vulnerable. Some mm -hmm. people prefer, prefer groups because they like the support of other people around. And then I work with a team and we call it a Theta portal. Uh, if you're in Portland, we have one coming up. Um, well, I don't know when this will air, but. <laughs> um, but the Theta portal is uh, amazing sound healing. It's a DJ who's got all the crystal bowls. He's got pre-recorded music, uh, you know, the flutes, the hand pans, all this stuff. And then a hypnotherapist and myself. So people are, are guided into a deep theta state bef before we start the breath work. And then they start the breath work from this deep theta state. And then with the support of the music, which builds up to the energy of the, the energy cycle of the breath. Those are really fun events. I love doing that. And um, yeah, so there's different ways that I work with people. Really, if, if people are looking at, I've got this deep trauma, 
I'm seeing these patterns in my life. I have this story. I need to change it. Keep having mm -hmm. like the same relationships or the same things happening with their career. One-on-one um, -on -one sessions really work well with that because it creates this, this safe container to go deep into what you need to heal. And, mm -hmm. it, and it teaches you a tool to actually do it yourself. And that's where my, my dad and my grandpa, as they would heal people, one thing they noticed is that people would come to them for healing and they could put hands on them. They could take away disease. They could heal people. And then the people would come back later with the same disease because they didn't change their rituals, their habits. They didn't change their mind. And with rebirthing breath work, um, I'm not healing anybody. I'm showing them how to heal themselves. And that's, that's really what I love about it. Gosh, so many things I want to comment on. I think the first is just to thank you because what you shared about mental health and the experiences that you've had with that, I think is very vulnerable and very um, honorable to be able to share that because especially as a man and I, and I just, the reason I want to touch on that is I think the more we can inspire the men around us and the men listening to us to this to really kind of let the guard down a little bit and and be able to be vulnerable and to maybe talk about challenges that they've had in their lives with mental health or whatever that is. I think that you are ultimately, Aaron, you're, you're paving the, the future, the pathway for the more conscious evolved man to walk right? By modeling this behavior to our listeners. Um, I think mental health is obviously at like an all-time high with a lot of concern around suicide and, and other topics. And so um, I'm really pleased to hear that breath work can become a tool to help people who are maybe battling with similar, similar things. So definitely just wanted to acknowledge you for one, just opening up about that and being so transparent. And then two, just to tap in on the mental health thing that if anybody is struggling with depression or anxiety, and so many people are right now, especially with all of the pressures that we've been put on as a society and as individuals, um, you know, how great to know that we can, something as simple as breathing, you know, something that we don't even probably pay much attention to in our daily lives. It is such an unconscious Thing that's keeping us alive but if we go and we have a very amazing rebirthing session which has all of that conscious attention around it and you just shift your breath a little bit the amazing results that can come from that are incredible i know that when i had my first rebirthing session with you I had, you know, I'm like, okay, sure. I lay down and not really knowing what to expect and just start doing this circular breathing. And, and Aaron is just holding the most amazing space and his very, you know, compassionate energy just, just by sitting next to you on the yoga mat. And, you know, you're just laying down and just breathing, breathing, breathing. Then out of nowhere, it's like, boom, floodgates open and I'm crying and sobbing and kind of wiggling around on the yoga mat, moving energy out of my body. And I had no idea what it was or where it came from or why or how. And my mind was trying to attach and understand and create meaning for, for the experience. And I remember, you know, I think kind of coming out of it and maybe asking you like, well, what do you think? Like, oh, and it just being, you know, a very simple, like, 
you know, you just were processing and releasing things and you don't have to know what it is, um, but it's just moving things through your, your body, your stored body, whether that's tensions or traumas. And so I share that because it was so accessible. Lay down a yoga mat, shift your breath, be held, be supported by an amazing facilitator. And then to know that I could be working through things that are holding me back, whether they're conscious or unconscious. Um, and then working with, you know, the awareness of what is my mental state? Like, what are the thoughts that I have around that specific topic that maybe I was trying to work through or work on? Um, and so it's just such an attainable practice that if anybody's listening to this maybe feels called like, hmm, maybe I should experience that. I highly recommend it. And the second time I'll share, I was in Paris actually with Luke and he had gone through the training at this point and I was having really bad menstrual cramps again. And this is something I've talked about in other episodes and, and I just wasn't connecting to like why I kept having these very painful periods and he put me in the bathtub. And so I want you to talk to us about the importance of water and the elements in a minute, but he had me in the bathtub and I'm up to my chin, you know, in this Paris bathtub, which was not very big. Um, and I'm, and then he takes me into the breath cycle and I start doing the thing again, same thing, this upwelling of emotion and releasing and, and tears and almost like a reconnection to my wisdom of my womb and my, my femininity and my cycle. And, and it had so much to share with me, but I was so blocked. And so I felt like through the rebirthing session and the breath work, I was purging this unwanted limiting beliefs, ancestral traumas, anything that just was in the way of me being more clear with who I was and why I was here. Um, was a tremendously powerful experience. So talk to us about the water okay. element. Yeah, your example is a, it's a great, um, you know, uh, testament to how the body will hold emotion for us. The body will, if we're not feeling something, the body will help us to feel it either through discomfort or pain, or it will turn into something. It'll turn into a, you know, a disease or something if we don't face this stuff. And so working with the elements is, is a, an important part of the rebirthing breathwork kind of philosophy and program. Leonard Orr, the founder, he discovered this breath, discovered the power of the breath. And then he had, was also visiting India. He started out his spiritual journey as a born again Christian. Uh, he was gonna become a minister, he was going to school. And then he started seeing well, he heard in the Bible that Christians had eternal life. So he was like, right on, I'm going to live forever. <laughs> and then he was like, wait a minute, Christians are dying. You know, his teachers couldn't explain it. So he started studying other philosophies and religions and ways of thinking that supported immortality or, or body mastery. And so that led him to India, where it's just you know, if you ask somebody in India, are there any, do you believe in immortals? And they're like, yeah, they live up in the hills. You know, it's just part of the culture that there are people that have mastery over their physical body. So he started seeking out these immortals, these yogis. And he started finding some, you know, deep in the Himalayas and caves and, or hearing about them. And he, he noticed that they all had the same lifestyle. They 
had a conscious relationship with earth, air, water, and fire. And they also all stayed away from people. <laughs> you know, they would, they would visit with humanity once every hundred years or once every 10 years and have, have a ceremony, but they mostly hid in caves. So he wanted to take this healthy lifestyle, which he saw as the healthiest lifestyle. If it's gonna, if it's gonna let you keep your body forever, it's gotta be healthy. So he brought that into the training. And what it is, is uh, starting with fire, you know, so that a conscious relationship with fire, when you sit in front of a fire by yourself in front of a fire, your, your chakras, your energy centers turn through the flames and those flames clear out gunk from your, your chakras. It can, it can also clear out physical pain, uh, mental fuzz, you know, the fire clears stuff out of our system. There's a, a practice called Panch Agni, which is, means the five fires, where you sit and you put four fires around you or candles, and the fifth fire is the sun. And this is a practice to burn away your inner fires. And what often happens is when people do this practice is their anger or their jealousy, those fiery emotions come to the surface to get cleared out. So fire has a very purifying, you know, the, the fiery emotions, pain in the body, things like that, it cleans it out. And fire purification is something you can do very consciously. You can see the fire as a, a living entity, um, but you can also just sit with it. It works. That's the great thing about fire. It works whether, what, whatever your conscious level is, it works with, with you. Um, and it's different when you sit with somebody else around a fire Mm -hmm. um, that then creates this like community connection where um, you may, you know, it's, it becomes less purifying and more connecting everyone together. You know, it's just ritual being around yeah. the fire together. And then there's the ritual of being by the fire by yourself. And that's more for purification. And then water absorbs energy. Water pulls stuff out of your system. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't burn it away, but it absorbs it. So water um, cleans and purifies the energy system. Warm water opens your, your chakras and your energy system. Cold water closes. That's why, like, you know, I know Luke is really into the Wim Hof and the ice baths. And I often hear from people, it's like, you know, I don't need coffee anymore. I just go jump in my ice bath for a few seconds. And because it, it closes your energy up, it energizes you, it cleans you, and you're ready to go. Um, you know, I do a cold rinse after my, my bath because if I'm getting out of the bath, I'm, I'm cleaned up. I'm also wide open. Right. And if, you know, if I'm going to go work with a client, I want to close that up so they don't pick up on my stuff. So I don't pick up on their stuff. Um, so I do a cold rinse and that just seals up the energy body, mm. but you know, water, you know, water pulls energy out. So these yogis, the way that they would have a fire ceremony every day, or they would sleep with fire. He found a lot of them slept with fire. Um, and they would bathe twice a day, once in the morning before sunrise, and then once in the evening before sunset. Um, and often it was like a freezing cold river, <laughs> you know. Wow. Um, and what Leonard discovered with his own experimenting and practice was that the morning bath cleans off just this, the stuff you've, the sleepiness, the dreaminess, the stuff from the, the nighttime. And then the evening bath cleans, cleans off the stuff you've accumulated throughout the day. And that 
that stuff you've accumulated throughout the day, if you if, if he would notice that if he didn't clean it off and just went right to bed, that stuff would settle into a deeper level and become almost like more of his instead of other people's mm -hmm. or you know more internal than external. But there's an opportunity to clean it off before you go to bed. Um, and then the earth element, like one of my rituals with that is I just once a day at least, you know, I go outside and stand barefoot on the ground. Grounding. And I ground and I consciously channel my energy with the earth. Um, and that's really good for the, the magnetic field of the body. So the earth element can be being in nature, just being with the earth. Mm -hmm. um, it can also be that includes like diet. So conscious diet, fasting. Uh, of course, all these yogis were vegetarian, but they also fasted a lot. And the ritual of fasting is, is really important. It gives the digestive system a break and purify, then the digestive system can purify our blood. Um, so, so diet, fasting, um, then um, mantra, um, using uh, japa yoga, working with a mantra, mm -hmm. um, tantra, you know, like conscious, if, if, if people are having uh, sexual interactions to consciously go about it with using Tantra and moving energy, um, physical yoga, physical movement, all this stuff is tied in with, with the earth element. Dance, singing, mm -hmm. um, these are all things that can become purifying. And then the air element, of course, is conscious breathing. And so these yogis, they did some form of these earth, air, water, fire practices every day. And then, then some would say that, that um, ether is the fifth element. Leonard often called it the mind. So then also working with that. And ether is just, it's what we exist in. It's the energy field, you know, and air is most closely related to ether because, you know, air and ether are right here, you know, yeah. they're, they're intermingled. Um, you know, and one of the things that when you work with the breath, especially with rebirthing where it's that circular breathing, it creates a circle, it takes, the division, you know, this, this, we live in duality. So there's always this division. There's, there's left and right. And I don't know if you've noticed, there's a little bit of division out there right now. <laughs> yes. And that division is fear-based, you know, when we're in love, it doesn't matter what other people think, feel, or believe we love them. Um, so when you do the circular breathing, it takes like the inhale, like if you see two halves of a circle, and they're divided. And when you put them together, it creates unity and it creates this, this circle of breath, creates a circuit of energy. And it gets us out of that, that divisive fear energy and into like unity, love energy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes to get there, we have to clear out the, the old stuff we've been holding on to that's fearful or, or um, you know, the old trauma. But that's, you know, it's, I think that's one of the reasons why it's so important right now with all this division and um, us against them energy is that we can find that unity within ourselves. We can take the two halves of the inhale and the exhale, we can put them together, mm -hmm. consciously breathe and bring ourselves to a place of peace and, and unity. Mm -hmm. I just took a nice big breath in and, and Rupert's by my feet and I can hear him do it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're, all, I remember that. we're all breathing over here. Circular breath. 
that session you talked about when you were having an emotional release and Rupert, that was so great. Rupert was right there. He's like, mom, what's going on? <laughs> I know the animals are part of it. They really are. Oh. Um, and, and I feel like there's a lot you can learn for, from, and I think you had maybe even coached me a little bit on whether I was, you know, taking a huge inhale and then it's like little exhale, huge inhale, little exhale, or the opposite, like tiny inhale, big exhale, tiny inhale, yeah. big exhale. You can kind of start to read people and see like where they need to balance out their two halves. Um, and I bet you can just intuit so much information from that. Like, oh, is, is, is she in her masculine too much? Does she need to soften with her feminine and really just let the exhale go and, or vice versa? Um, so when you're doing and facilitating sessions, are you also kind of getting information for clients? Are you um, supporting, how are you supporting them through their process? What yeah, is the thing you do? Like you said, the breath speaks volumes about where the person's at. You know, if, if they can't breathe in deep, they don't have a strong life urge or they're hesitant. Um, the exhale, especially, you know, the exhale in rebirthing breath work is dropped with gravity. You just let it go. With other forms of breath work, there's control on the exhale and it's really valuable. It's, you know, there's a reason for it. But with, with rebirthing, we're breathing in energy and we're collapsing into it. We're letting go into it. And if a person tightens their stomach, puffs out their cheeks, if they blow out the exhale, I know that they have to push things in their life that either they learned it as a kid or maybe it's a single parent who's got to work and take care of kids. And it's just, a they have to go and go and go. And so their system isn't accustomed to just relaxing and letting go. So um, working with the exhale will then allow them to find that in their life, to find that like, I can just let go. I don't have to control and force everything. And then if the exhale is, is set down, if it's, it's held in that way, or controlled in that way, it's usually they have fear. They're not ready to let go. Um, and so when I see those things in the breath, I can address it. Mm -hmm. um, I can either, first I'll address it by trying to get the mechanism of the breath to work in the way where it's just a smooth flow of energy. But then I'll also address like, okay, what in your life are you hesitant to set down or let go of? Yep. Um, if there's something in their life that they're hesitant to step into, like there's a new project or they have to move or there's something and they're not really looking forward to it, there'll be a little pause between the inhale and the exhale. Or, mm -hmm. No, between the exhale and the inhale, sorry. You know, it's that taking that next breath, taking that next step, there'll be some hesitancy. So the breath shows me a lot. And I've been doing this for 30 years. So I, I have, you know, I can really read the breath. Um, there's a lot of different things the breath can say, but then also, um, I, 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 you know, one of the first things I have them do is connect with their guides, their, the wisdom of their higher self, of their body, of their breath, welcome it. And then there'll often be times when, um, you know, if, if I'm not clear on, on, you know, do I need to get in there more and coach them more, or do I need to let them kind of be in their space they're in, I'll check in. And it's really clear their guides will either say like back off they're they're doing great or get in there and help them um sometimes i see the guides really clearly and it blows people's minds afterwards <laughs> you know sometimes mm -hmm. they'll say oh i i felt my guides here and i'll think oh did it look like a lion it's like how, how did you know that <laughs> yes i love it um, 
And sometimes I can feel them in the rooms, like almost like they're standing around. Mm -hmm. um, I can feel when someone's about to pop emotionally. I can feel it coming to the surface. Um, if they're fighting an emotion, I feel that, you know, it doesn't feel good in the body. Mm -hmm. And then once someone is, has kind of popped and like this emotion is flooding out, uh, even though that emotion, it looks like they're in pain maybe because they're crying and they're, they're, you know, they're reliving something that they didn't fully get to feel when they were young. Mm -hmm. um, even though it's, it's not a, what we would call a positive feeling or comfortable feeling, the energy around it just feels blissful because it's release. It's, it's finally, you know, letting go. Um, so I can feel that. And then, you know, one of the important things about this work is making sure people get complete with their session that they, because right. sometimes there can be a tendency to, as a session calms down to feel like they're done when really there's an important period of integration at the end. So, you know, I can feel that and, um, but yeah, checking in with the guides, I, I do that a lot. And it's, it's something that it takes, it's taken me years to really fine tune, mm -hmm. you know, how much in the beginning it was, you know, what's my imagination? What's, what am I projecting? Mm -hmm. um, I noticed early when I was doing this work, the first few years that I would, you know, somebody might be breathing and all of a sudden this thought comes in my mind to, to ask them like, what do you need to say to your father? Or something out of the blue. And if I say it without thinking about it, just let it channel through, it's appropriate and it, it helps unlock something. But if I question it, um, you know, but then it's like, I, I missed that moment and then it's not relevant by the time I've decided I should say it. <laughs> Isn't that the truth though? I mean, yeah, cause we get, you know, sometimes the wisdom that comes through can be a bit, you know, you, you second guess yourself. You're like, really, do I need to say that? And mm -hmm. that's your own filter. And so I think, you know, what you're saying is just acting on it and allowing it to come through without your own personal kind of filtration system is, is it, is a good practice. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, speaking about mental health, I was, I was talking with a friend the other day and he, we were talking about meditation I, and I was telling him how I've been meditating a lot. And he says, oh, so you sit there and wrestle with your mind and your emotions. <laughs> and I was like, no, actually I don't, you know, I just sit mm -hmm. there and I enjoy my mind. And, mm -hmm. and then I thought, wait a minute, like that hasn't always been the case. <laughs> and I realized it wasn't until just recently, maybe, um, this year that I've got to a place where I can meditate and I just, or just, I just, one of my rituals is if I don't have to get up for something, I love to lay when I wake up in the morning and just think mm -hmm. and just be in my mind and just breathe and feel my energy before my bath. And, and when we get to places, I feel like that's a place of wellness for me. And when we get to those, sometimes we forget where we were before. And, you know, you're speaking about a men you know, the, what men have to go through kind of in our society, in our culture, mm -hmm. and it's a lot of suppression, suppression of the masculine. Mm -hmm. um, when I first heard that term, suppression of the masculine, my mind went, no, the men are the suppressors. You know, it's like men are the, you know, the abusers. I just had this story about men. And then right. it was in a men's group and having this group of men all talk about how their emotions were suppressed as children, like mm -hmm. just blew it open for me. And, um, so yeah, have it, you know, for men to have depression and um, it's, you know, it's just so um, 
suppressed for men to have emotions. And male in, in studies, male infants are more emotional, more sensitive often than female infants, but it, it gets trained out of us so quickly. So for any men watching this, um, it's, you know, I would love to make it socially acceptable for men to have feelings. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's okay to have your feelings, to cry, to talk to people, you know, and that's really, I think the first step for a lot of men is, is finding some place where they can talk about having feelings without um, being attacked. Yep. Um, because it has been just, you know, anger has been basically the only emotion that's been acceptable for men. Yeah. Um, and we yeah. often, you know, and showing our vulnerability because sometimes they're just like, I'm the man, I have to be stoic. Mm -hmm. um, when, when really it's, we have, you know, everyone has the same emotions and the same pain um, and it needs to be felt. So where do you think that story has come from? Because I really like that you, you really shed some light on the fact that men too have been suppressed, right? And the, the story that we're kind of perpetuating at this time is, you know, the patriarchy and, you know, the collapse of the patriarchy and the rising of the feminine and the feminine has been repressed by the patriarchy. And I think what you, the perspective you're bringing is, no, 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 we've all been suppressed, men and women. Mm -hmm. And so where do you think this story has been perpetuated or where do you think it comes from that like men were the suppressor of the feminine? Adam and Eve? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, there's, yeah, if you th think about the story of Adam and Eve, you know, she comes from his rib and um, when and like you look at the Egyptian creation story and it's, it's, it's from the feminine. Um, you know, the feminine gives birth and different creation stories have, have, so, I mean, does it come from how Christian, you know, the Christians took these, these myths from Sumerians and turned them into the Christian belief system and the Christian story and, and turned it into, yeah, this, this, um, attempt for the patriarchy to have power and right. that power is, you know, being rich, um, you know, during the during the um, the time when um, people were being burned at the stake, the the what's the word for the not the persecution, the the witch burnings. Yeah, that that time in history, the I forget there's a name for it, but um, mm -hmm. you know, a million people were murdered, mm -hmm. around a million people, and most of them were the medicine people of the little villages, you know, and most of them were women. Um, so this big masculine energy came in and um you know just took out the ability to our connection with nature our the ability for people to have healers in their communities um and it brought on this one god which is all fear-based i mean i don't it's probably came before that but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but yeah you know and if it if it's something that came from an overbalance of masculine energy then it has also sabotaged itself right you know? um and what i'm seeing now is that um you know like if i think about the the women in my community like yourself they're all you know kick-ass powerful healers and they're all mm -hmm. goddesses and they're like they're embodying mm -hmm. this um divine femininity and i know i live in kind of a bubble because you know, a lot of my friends are healers and um and they're they're carrying the song. So that's one thing I see is like the, 
you know, the women have been carrying the songs, this, this ancient tradition, these ancient, tra ancient traditions have been carried by the women and, mm -hmm. and the men, the masculine, you know, has been in this role of like hunter gatherer, which no longer serves. And so many men are lost. They don't know like, what's my purpose? If it's not to have a job and have a family, why am I here? Um, and I think that men need a lot of love. They need a lot of compassion and they need a lot of um, mm. tough love of like boundaries. Like that's not okay anymore. That behavior isn't okay anymore. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, women are stepping into that, being able to have like with the Me Too movement, so mm -hmm. powerful, like this is not okay anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and then that can help men to stop this unhealthy behavior and start to heal and they need a lot of compassion. You know, the, yeah. the anger and blame is a natural feeling when you've been hurt by someone, um, but it's also something to let, to work through and then move towards compassion. Mm. So powerful, so, so powerful. Cause I feel we're, you know, the women are gonna be the ones almost like allowing or creating the space for the men to really shed these layers and step into this new masculine energy. Um, so for those of us who are listening to this, who maybe have spouses or partners or brothers or dads or any kind of male influence in their life. And um, I guess, what can we do? You know, what can we do to help support this change or I mean, you mentioned a couple of really good things like tough love and boundaries and compassion. Mm -hmm. Like, is there, is there anything else that we can do to help to foster this? I mean, I'm even just thinking about the new moms with a little baby boy and like not repress, rep repressing their emotions or mm -hmm. the fact that they like pink or they want to play with Barbies or, you know, whatever thing that socially maybe would be looked down upon. Like, what are, what are some things that we can do, I guess, is the ask. Yeah, um, you know, being examples of taking responsibility for our own feelings. Um, you know, um, men, like if, there's that saying or that's know, it's a study or something that, that the thing men are most afraid of is criticism and, and judgment from the feminine. And the thing that the feminine is most afraid of is violence and being killed and physical attacks. And so I think that's one thing if, if someone is wanting to work with a wounded masculine to know that the, what it fears the most is criticism or judgment. It already is this little boy who has, who's been told he's wrong, his feelings are wrong. Um, so working in a way, especially with like nonviolent communication, um, you know, that's, that's amazing work. The nonviolent communication is amazing. Mm -hmm. And um, active listening, things like that. Um, and exampling, exampling that, that it's okay to have emotion, that you can process, you can have emotion, you can be responsible for it, you can process it. Um, and, and really, you know, supporting men going to men's groups. Yeah. Um, men's support groups are, are a big key for men getting help because men have been doing it on their own. Um, 
-hmm. and that 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 you know isolation and the the yeah and so finding I know there's some national groups I can't remember the name right now but um people could find yeah um RC counseling is one I've been using uh, or co-counseling reevaluation counseling it's also called co-counseling mm -hmm. people can look into that they have men's groups um that's really powerful work I think it's, those are great examples for folks and and maybe even I'll just kind of pile on to that um you know maybe just having if you are you know a man you know, listening to this like just having a, a vulnerable open conversation you know with one of your best buddies you know because maybe he's feeling the same way but you you know your relationship is never it's always revolved around sports or whatever it might be you know like taking that on as well and you know reaching out and you know opening up your heart a little bit more and having those kind of conversations you know, we have to start somewhere. I got to witness uh, Luke actually do that when we were traveling. He was able to chat with an older gentleman, you know, in his 60s. And so, you know, you just think generationally what, you know, what his upbringing was like and how men were not talking about their feelings or anything vulnerable. And I got to witness the two of them be very vulnerable with one another and talk about men's health and issues that were really important to both of them. And I just felt so honored to like, bear witness to that conversation because I just thought about, gosh, what, how many men could benefit, you know, from being able to have an older mentor or just, mm -hmm. just kind of lay the sword down, you know, and be like, Whew, this is how I'm feeling. And, and to get yeah. that support from another man is just so powerful. So I thank you for those, um, those bits of advice and things and words of encouragement for folks. Um, and then for women too, you know, to just be the example that, that we can feel our feelings and own their feelings and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So that was super beneficial. Thank you, Erin. Um, I do want to just share with the group that Aaron has been super generous and he is actually offering his Zoom um, breathwork sessions. And so for anybody who's listening to this, who wants to give it a try, um, when you reach out to him and you mention this podcast on Return of Ritual, he's going to offer you a $20 discount. So thank you for that beautiful offering. I really encourage you guys to reach out to him or if you're ever in the Portland area, you know, to, to be able to meet him in person or attend one of the Theta portals. Those sound super exciting and fun. Um, so we'll link to his, his website and all the ways that you guys can get in touch with him in the show notes. Um, Aaron, before we wrap up, I just wanted to, you know, ask if there's anything else, you know, on your heart or anything else that wants to kind of come through in today's discussion. Okay. Um, well, it, mentioning my website, I just put up a video page and I've um, been adding videos, breathwork exercises, writing exercises, um, other interviews. My partner has some yoga videos. And so there's resources there. Great. Um, just, I mean, I think it's, it seems appropriate to speak to the times right now. Yes. You know, we're, we're all, is probably in a place in our life we've never been before. Society is in a place where it's never been before. Um, you know, I, I listen to some different kind of uh, energy readers and, and energy forecasters and channeled information, and they're all saying the same thing. This is the beginning stage of our awakening. 
and it's the stage where all the old crusty stuff is breaking away so we can awaken and come forth and to have patience with ourselves and 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 know that this is not easy um it's it's we're all going through this transformation and sometimes it's you're feeling exhausted and you need to rest and i'm hearing that from a lot of people right now um and it's okay to take a day and lay in bed mm -hmm. um and work through any of your you know, I'm lazy if I don't do anything or if I don't work hard, I'm lazy. Any of those old stories. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's okay to work through that and it's okay to rest. Um, you know, my, my partner, Bhagavati, she's an Amma devotee. And this morning, Amma spoke from India. And our time, it was like 4.30. And Bhagavati's been working from home on the computer all week. And this morning at 4.30, she just, she was like, I can't be on the computer anymore you know i want is i love my guru I, but but she made this decision to take care of herself instead of what she thought she should do and she had to work through some fomo and uh <laughs> yeah um but then she also recognized like you know what it's okay to take care of myself and to just time out i'm gonna go hide under the covers um i think we all need a lot of rest because of the intensity of this massive shift that, that the world is going through um, and just to also remember, like, you've been guided your life to where you are. We've all got this team. We've got a higher self is taking care of us. And if things in our external environment look scary, there's so much fear on social media right now, so much propaganda from both sides. Just to remember, we're taken care of. It's going to be okay. Um, mm you know, do breathwork exercises like box breathing or, or our breath collective, you know, every day they're breathing things to calm the nervous system. But just to remember that um, um, everyone is being affected. This is a worldwide awakening and it's just starting. Mm. And it's going to be okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. I feel so many people will really appreciate hearing your perspective on that because I couldn't agree more. You know, I'm feeling all the feelings and like so many of us are. Um, and so thank you for, for sharing that with us and reminding us that we are all taken care of um, and that it will be okay. Sometimes just hearing that is so reassuring. It's just like, okay. Yeah. 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 Just, and to step back, if you're, if you're watching the things on social media, it's, it's a movie. You know, and mm -hmm. a good movie is a good movie because it catches us emotionally and we yeah. start feeling it. So we're watching a really good movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> we really are. I'm just binge eating the popcorn. That's how good it is. <laughs> you know, and it's okay to like pause the movie, step away from the computer, come back into your own peace and groundedness, you know, and, and, and make a ritual out of that. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I think the rituals are you know, again, going to be so important for us, you know, as we go through these next couple months as well, you know, just really finding those things, whether it's, you know, you've been inspired by hearing Aaron talk about his morning baths, you know, maybe you, you try that on and see how it feels, or maybe an evening bath, you know, and just finding those little times where you can connect and feel and just be and just love, you know, love yourself and love everything that's 
happening and just ultimately share the love, right? The more love, the better. We'll get through it. <laughs> Thank you, Erin. It has been so amazing chatting with you. I feel like we could talk about many different topics. We might have to come back on and talk about um, yeah. our other chats that we tend to have about different opinions about what's happening um, currently. I, I love yeah. going to Aaron. He's an amazing resource. We have good conversations. We have great <laughs> conversations and he is an amazing resource. I'll just leave it at that. So thank you, Aaron. Um, it's been so wonderful to have you and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you, Amber.